Welcome to episode 6 of CMO. This is one of my check-in episodes where I remind myself why exactly I spend all of this extra time creating content like this. Really it's because there's people who have reached out to me throughout this process who tell me that they get inspired by what I do and like watching my videos and listening to the content that I put out. So it's for people like that. And this is an episode where I describe why I went into anesthesia because that's a pretty common question I get. So I hope you enjoy listening to this episode, and if you're somebody who is hoping to get into the medical field or just started medical school, I hope you really give anesthesia a strong consideration for your future. It was something that was never on my radar, but as you'll hear in this episode, it's become one of my biggest passions in life. Welcome to Collecting My Observations. Enter into the stream of thoughts that flow through the mind of an ICU fellow who is on his way to becoming an anesthesiologist and intensivist. This is where patients live on the verge of life and death. Since creating this content can be kind of labor intensive, I like to check in with myself every now and then to remember the why of what I'm doing and what I hope to get out of this whole experience. One of the things that really inspires me to keep pushing forward with all these extracurriculars, with teaching online and creating podcasts like this, is when people reach out to me on different social media apps like on Instagram or TikTok, and they reach out with different personal questions. And one that I'm going to talk about today is why I chose to go into anesthesia. Before I got into medical school, my first introduction to medicine started on an ambulance rescue squad and that happened at the University of Vermont. Going into my summer after first year of college, I was looking for a summer job to stick around the Burlington area and since I was pre-med, I figured uh, volunteering for an ambulance squad would be one, a good resume builder and two, a good introduction into what the medical field could look like for me. This was probably one of the best decisions I think I've made in my life and one of those mile markers or significant events that take your life down a different path than the fork of a road and I think really set me up to succeed in the medical field. Starting UVM Rescue entailed one being called a probie which meant you're on probation and two, completing tasks on a checklist that involved learning new skills, being trained on skills from existing members, having to perform those skills in front of other current members, and then getting their initials on your checklist within two weeks, I believe the first checklist was. And then once you sort of graduate from that, then you have a three-month checklist. And then once you graduate from that, you become a regular member and then you have opportunities to train to become a driver and then train to become a crew chief. This was my first introduction to what the hierarchy of medicine can look like. It was also my first introduction to what it looked like to teach younger colleagues of yours who aren't too far behind you in age or life experiences but in terms of the medical field, you may have a leg up on them in terms of what your knowledge base is and what your experience has been. Throw on top of that having to sleep overnight at our quarters, 
which is kind of my equivalent to what 24-hour call feels like nowadays. Sleeping overnight at UVM Rescue taught me a couple different things. One, being able to be comfortable with waking up in the middle of the night and having to give it your fullest attention and preciseness and critical thinking when you just woke up from potentially a deep sleep. Secondly, it taught me to be okay with not sleeping in my own bed for the night and being able to mobilize the necessities of what I needed to, one, get myself to sleep, and then two, start my next day. It'd be pretty typical to spend the night at UVM Rescue and then have somebody replace you at 6 or 7 in the morning so that you can cast your first morning class for that day. And then throw on top of all of the patient care we were doing, there's also opportunities to have board positions so you could be personnel officers who made the schedule. During my time there, I was equipment officer, so I was in charge of all the equipment that we had, making sure we ordered the necessary equipment to stock our ambulances and really get by, as well as investigating new potential equipment that we could get and upgrade. And then at one point, I was financial officer, so I'd handle the billing and our budget for the year and would work with our student government association for all of the finance side of what it took to run an ambulance. And then the last position I had was training officer. So I was in charge of what the training checklist looked like, creating different training workshops for the whole squad throughout the year, touching base with each member to see what training status they were currently at and what goals they had for that year in terms of progressing on the hierarchy of what our team was based on. And this was all during my early 20s. So from age 19 to 23, I was pretty much immersed in the emergency medicine field. During my, I think, senior year of college, and then I took a gap year between college and medical school, I worked in the emergency department in two different capacities. One of them was working in our communication center, which meant that I would be taking the phone calls from 911 ambulances who were going out into the field and bringing patients to Fletcher Allen or UVM Medical Center. And they would either call by cell phone, which was pretty typical for that time, but there are also uh, certain ambulances that would use radios if they were in more rural settings. And so they would radio into the communication center what type of patient they were bringing in, what the severities of their injuries were. And then I would communicate with a charge nurse and we would try and figure out what the best place for them is. So we were sort of the first line of triaging for patients coming in by ambulance. And then my other job in the ER was to be one of the ER techs. So I kind of consider that role the assistant to the nurse and helping them with different aspects of patient care, like getting vital signs, drawing blood, starting IVs, getting EKGs. During traumas, we would help with patient movements, getting them exposed. Pretty much everything we would do in the back of an ambulance as an EMT, that was the skill set that we brought with us into the emergency department. So this was pretty much what my background was before I got to medical school. And as you can imagine, being fully immersed in emergency medicine, 
for four and a half years of my life pretty much made me think that all there was to medicine was emergency medicine. So when I started medical school, that was kind of always what my goal was, was to go into EM. I had even reached out to one of the EM docs at Penn State and got some shadowing time with him before my third year rotations. And then when third year rolled around, I started that year with clinical rotations in pediatrics, OBGYN, and then an elective. My elective time was four weeks, and I could break it up into two two-week rotations. Now, I had one friend from UVM Rescue, Danny Leahy, who, if you've listened to this podcast, you've heard me interview her during the first season of Behind the Drapes. At that time, she had graduated medical school and had just started an anesthesia residency at UVM. She was somebody who I worked with closely on UVM Rescue. We were on the same night crew. She was the crew chief that night and I was a driver. She was someone who trained me along the way to become a crew chief and also a financial officer. And I kind of had a feeling that she would also go into emergency medicine and then she kind of threw a curveball at me and ended up picking anesthesia. And so before my elective time, I reached out to her and kind of picked her brain as to why she picked anesthesia. And she explained to me that there was a lot of overlap between what we did in the ambulance and what it's like to be an anesthesiologist in the OR. And so I figured if she decided to pick this as her career path going forward, I should probably give it a try. So I started that four-week block with two weeks of anesthesia. And this was probably my third or fourth time ever being in an operating room outside of shadowing. And I got to say, an operating room is different than any other clinical setting. There's no real comparison for it. It's very different than the ICU. It's certainly different than any outpatient setting or inpatient floor setting. It has its own culture to it. Everyone sort of knows what their assigned roles are, and it works like a very well-oiled machine. And when you just come in as sort of an observer or an orientee, it can be pretty overwhelming how much is happening simultaneously, and you just try and absorb as much as you can. So these first two weeks were just that, trying to absorb as much as I can of what anesthesia possibly could be and what it could look like as a career. As a medical student, your perspective of what a rotation is really comes through the eyes of the resident. So for anesthesia, you get paired up with a resident one-on-one, and you're with that person, with them, for the entirety of the day until they send you home. I remember one of my first days, I was with a senior resident who was pretty close to the end of her residency time and clearly just did not want a student with her that day. And after going through anesthesia residency, looking back at that moment, I totally have had days where I was either overwhelmed or was just a little bit too exhausted to have someone learning from me all day. But what she ended up doing that day was sending me off to a different resident um, who was more junior at the time, but ended up being a much more excited resident to work with and someone who's excited to just teach me about everything that he was doing. This was probably a couple or a few days into the rotation, so I'd kind of already seen a few different surgeries at this point. 
But what I hadn't experienced was standing next to a resident who could perform whatever actions he needed to do and then take a step back and explain to me what his thought process was for the previous two or three moves that he just made. And then the more he did this and the more we just kind of chatted, the more I realized that anesthesiologists are making so many critical decisions on a moment-to-moment basis throughout a surgery, but they make it look so smooth and so seamless that you wouldn't ever guess that anything was abnormal or needed to be adjusted, besides the fact that he got up from his chair and adjusted a few knobs and buttons. But the manner in which he did it and the stability of the vital signs could really lead someone into thinking that anesthesia is an easy job and can can put anesthesia in a place where it can get easily overlooked in terms of its complexity and intricacies. But when you actually talk to someone who is performing anesthesia, you begin to realize all the decision-making that goes into each step that they do. And that's what really got me turned on to anesthesia. My second week there, I finally got to start doing IVs. Um, Obviously, I had a good amount of experience doing IVs, so that wasn't too hard of a skill for me to pick up. But I also got to start doing intubations. As a medical student, one of the best things you can do, especially when it comes for intubations, is just talk about what you're seeing out loud because when you're the one doing the intubation, you're kind of the only one who can see what's going on inside the patient's mouth. And so I did just that. I would communicate everything I was seeing. And after a few attempts at trying to intubate, I started to get a steady hand at it and was really enjoying the process of also being successful in intubating patients. Now, this was probably the end of my two-week rotation. And so I wasn't completely sold on doing anesthesia. Um, I wasn't completely sold on just being in the operating room for the rest of my career. And I still had emergency medicine in the back of my mind. So I went into the second two weeks starting my emergency medicine rotation. And that rotation really let me down more than I thought it would. And probably comes for two reasons. One, I had pretty high expectations for the rotation. And two, Hershey, Pennsylvania is just not a high acuity place for an emergency department like you don't get the typical trauma that you may see in a more urban setting and so from that perspective I feel like perhaps the acuity was on the milder side which took away from some of the thrill of what being in an emergency department can be and so I left that rotation thinking I think I enjoyed my anesthesia rotation more than my emergency medicine rotation So towards the end of my third year, or actually this might have even been the beginning of my fourth year, I decided to put most of my eggs in the anesthesia basket and do another elective rotation in it before it was going to be time to apply for residency. And when you do a rotation in anesthesia as a fourth year, they toss you into the subspecialty rotations. So this is where I got to see my first cardiac anesthesia cases and thoracic anesthesia cases. 
And those pretty much sold me on going into anesthesia because those are the cases where you are busy almost the entire time of the surgery and there's so many moving pieces and moving parts and echocardiography and titrating up and down pressors or vasodilators or being able to watch a video assisted thoracoscopy on the big screen in the operating room and watching the cardiopulmonary bypass work and the perfusionists do their job while the cardiac surgeon is doing open heart surgery. It's just a very cool environment to be in. And then after having a couple days of that, I had a day both in the regional pain service and the chronic pain service and really enjoyed both of those days as well. So the window was really starting to open up to what I could imagine anesthesia looking like for my career. There was also a point during my third year where I had to do a two-week surgical elective. And during that time, I elected to work in the surgical ICU. And that was another great moment where I saw myself as potentially finding my future career when I was in the ICU. Biggest difference there was I was rotating with surgeons for those two weeks. Uh, but the way the surgical ICU works at Penn State is half of the unit is staffed by the anesthesia group and the other half of the unit is staffed by the surgical group. So I would see the anesthesia group rounding at the same time as us on certain days. So I knew that there was clearly a presence for anesthesia being in the ICU. And that's when I start to started to put the pieces together that anesthesia might be the route that I want to take if I ultimately want to get into the ICU. And so fourth year progressed, I chose to go down the path of anesthesia after that second elective in it. Uh, I signed myself up for an away rotation at Mount Sinai and absolutely loved my rotation at Mount Sinai. I got to work with their program director, Adam Levine, and his main focus for anesthesia is ENT anesthesia. And so I got to see a lot of cool TIVAs, good topicalization of the airway. I got to do my first fiber optic intubation with him there. The surgeries were really gnarly. There's these huge free flaps that they would do and big tumor resections. So that was another just awesome experience behind anesthesia. Then once I finally got into anesthesia, I didn't regret it once for a day. It was one of those jobs where I truly looked forward going to work almost every day. I mean, of course, there's those days where there are external things outside of your work going on or the exhaustion of everything in life and the job just starts to catch up with you and you wish you had a day off. But majority of days, I would say I really enjoyed going into work and the work that I did provided me a lot of joy. Some of my favorite things about anesthesia... I would say are the variety and different cases you could be doing. So although you have rotations that you're working through on a month to month basis throughout your residency, like for example, you could be on a cardiac rotation or you could be on pediatrics or you could be on regional, the caseload that you have on a day to day basis is going to be changing. So being able to assist or provide anesthesia for different types of surgery keeps the job really interesting. 
The other way that anesthesia always stays interesting is that there's so many different ways that you can provide anesthesia for any given surgery. This goes for the way you put the patient to sleep, what you use for your airway device, how you keep your patients asleep, what type of pain medicines you choose to use for your patient, how you wake your patient up, what post-op orders you think are appropriate for the patient, if you want to do regional anesthesia or neuraxial anesthesia. A lot of different ways you can get the job done. And I think residency is all about exploring those different ways. You become very facile with pharmacology, the ability to draw up medications and administer medications in a readily fashion. These skills become very useful when you have codes and having the presence to stay calm and collected and work through a differential while you have a patient who's unstable in front of you. That's a lot of what we do in anesthesia. But you also get those really chill days and really relaxing days where you may be in a robotic case for quite a few hours and have the ability to just kind of sit and relax. And I'm not going to lie, that's a also makes for a very nice day in anesthesia. Now, when it comes to picking specialties, obviously this is going to be an individual basis. If you're someone out there who's still trying to figure out what specialty they want to go into, I would say for majority of people, you kind of find, quote unquote, your people as you rotate through different specialties in third year. And if you haven't quite found a group of people who you could see yourself fitting in with or a specialty that you could see yourself doing for the rest of your life. Try doing some electives that aren't the typical core rotations that you have to do and see if maybe that sparks some interest in you. Anesthesia was something that was really never on my radar until it was and even when it was I was still kind of skeptical but it took stepping out of my comfort zone and trying something new and uncomfortable to really get me to realize that, man, this is something I could see myself doing in the future. I think anesthesia was also my favorite path to getting to the ICU for a few different reasons. One, I feel quite prepared to do any sort of procedure at the bedside for patients. So this includes lines like arterial lines, central lines, dialysis lines. You get enough practice in anesthesia training that you can handle those tasks. The other thing I'm very comfortable with is the airway and airways in the ICU can be very scary and lead to a high rate of morbidity and mortality but having the ability to practice on a lot of normal patients and a lot of healthy patients gives you the ability to work through tougher patients and troubleshoot those patients a lot quicker and a lot more facile. I feel like I understand airway equipment very well because of all my experience with using it. And I think it has also prepared me to again, like I mentioned before, be relaxed and not panicked when you have a patient whose airway may be crashing or you choose to extubate somebody who 
may have a dicey extubation, but you're confident enough that you could reintubate them if you needed to. Another important thing that I think we really learned well is the concept of how hemodynamics work and what medications we can use to control hemodynamics. Anyone in the ICU probably at some point during their stay at the beginning of their transfer to the ICU or admission to the ICU will need vasopressor support for being in some sort of undifferentiated shock. And being able to treat shock is what we do for a lot of patients in the operating room. Whether it's vasodilatory shock that we cause from our anesthesia or a bleeding patient who just had a large trauma and we're doing resuscitation for them in the operating room. All of these skills really lend themselves to resuscitation and stabilization in the ICU. The other thing that anesthesia really gets involved with is working with different subspecialties in the hospital, especially different surgical specialties, which is something you also have to be able to do in the ICU. We are constantly communicating with different teams all throughout the day. We have different consults that we place for different complexities within patients. And being able to speak different teams' languages and also communicate effectively and at times even negotiating terms with different teams really becomes an important part of what your role is as an ICU doc. And as anesthesiologist, you're always kind of communicating with your surgical teams. And sometimes the most difficult conversations are when the patient isn't doing well, but those are the most important conversations. And having training and the ability to perform those conversations well and effectively, again, lends itself to being very useful skill in the ICU. So if I had to do it all again, I would say I would probably pick the same path. I had a really good time during residency with my anesthesia training. I got to see a lot of cool surgeries and get to perform a lot of cool skills. I feel very comfortable taking care of some of the sickest of the sick patients. And I think it really prepared me well for this ICU fellowship that I'm in right now. I love the freedom and the ability to make a lot of different decisions that can be done in different ways, but having the ability to sort of tailor my own experiences into preferences and having the ability to change those preferences over time based on new research that comes out or conversations or experiences that my colleagues have, I think makes this job continuously interesting and continuously rewarding. So if you're out there and you don't know what you want to do in the future, consider anesthesia. If you're listening and you're already in anesthesia, you probably realize how awesome it is. And if you're listening and you're not in anesthesia, it's never too late to change. If you like this episode of CMO, be sure to hit the subscribe button to the Behind the Drapes podcast, where you can hear more episodes just like this and have the new episodes downloaded to your homepage as they come out.
If you want to check out some of the educational content that I put out, check out my social media page on Instagram and TikTok and YouTube, and that's at Keywords by Kenny, at Keywords X Kenny, and that'll get you to these short videos that I put out about different educational topics related to anesthesia and the ICU.